In today's show, we're looking back at the 2020-2021 season for the Memphis Grizzlies. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Let's talk Memphis Grizzlies. Focusing mainly on the regular season, because of course, that's what happened for fantasy basketball, but also looking at what sort of did happen in the playoffs and what that could mean for the future. Let's start it off now. The Grizzlies finished 38-34 and in the ninth seed. Of course, they ended up winning uh, the play-in game against the Golden State Warriors to get themselves into that first round series against the Jazz. They won that game one, and then they proceeded to lose the next games after that, but they were competitive because they are a pretty good team. 15th on offense, 6th defensively. They did that most of the season without one of their best players and one of their best prospects in Jaron Jackson Jr. That other injuries at times. Obviously, Jar Morant missing a month or so to begin the year. But that defensive stuff is pretty good. Now, I've been pretty critical of Taylor Jenkins with some of his decision-making, some of his rotation and wing decision-making, and I think that's absolutely fine. I still think he's quite a good coach. And I don't think, you know, I will say that if I don't think a coach is good, that they should go. You know, shout out to Luke Walton or, you know, the guys that have gone, Ryan Saunders in the past or, you know, a JB Bickerstaff. I don't think Jenkins is that guy. I wish he would change some of his decision-making and some of his rotation decisions because I think they're off quite a bit. And he makes uh, mistakes that if it keeps happening in two, three years, you won't be able to blame it on rookie mistakes or young coach learning the game. It's just this guy doesn't know what he's doing. So there is some concern there, but yeah, I still think he's done a really, really good job with this squad. The front office has been exceptional in providing the right players. Let's see if they can continue to do that. Um, and it's been a great start to this little Kleiman slash Jenkins uh, run for Memphis. They were eighth in pace. They have pick 17 and pick 51 in the upcoming draft as well. So that's that's how their season went, of course, they're losing in that first round series to the Jazz. Um, in terms of free agency, it's not that busy. Justice Winslow has a team option for $13 million. That's a tough one. Did he play like he was worth $13 million this year? Under no circumstance. He was dreadful. He wasn't even a part of their rotation by the end of the season. Now, look, that is a huge, huge problem. But, you know, can you actually replace Winslow? Does his $14 million mean anything if you take it off the books? Like, he's at, they're at $99 million already guaranteed for next year. So, I guess that comes down to, what, 85 if he's off? So, maybe it helps you. Can you find someone better for $14 million, $13 million than Justice Winslow? Probably. But you know, will they be able to entice that pl- person to come to Memphis? I don't know. I wouldn't. Look, there is still, obviously, there's the potential in Justice Windsor. I don't think he ever gets there. And I am not certain that you know, we look at him at, at 13 million being a good good deal. You've got Tim Frazier, who's unrestricted, and you've got Sean McDermott, who's restricted as a two-way guy. No one cares about those guys in terms of making an impact on this team as we move forward. Let's look now at the guy that was their best player this season. 
Jonas Vasu Inuasas. Fallon Tunis played 62 games, 28 minutes a night, which is a career high for him. But honestly, it probably should have been more. Like This is a guy that I think if he played 30 minutes a night, would be really, really impactful. Like Very, very good. He was a plus 2.3 EPM, and to be... Not to be honest, to be accurate, that's his worst season out of the last three. He's been he's been good for a very long time. Finishes efficiently at the rim, decent enough three point shooter, quite a good three point shooter. Absolutely elite rebounder. Not a bad shot blocker. Not a not a great defender, but not a horrendous defender. Still a positive there by most metrics. Led the team in LeBron, EPM, and was second on the team in Raptor. He's just really good. He's just turned twenty nine. He was the 18th ranked player over the last month of the season, top 30 over the second half of the year. He averaged um, 17 and 13, 0.9 blocks on 59 and 77, which is a true shooting of 64. So there's his value. Huge rebounding numbers, pretty good scoring, solid blocks, great percentages. He's never going to get assists or steals or hit big volume threes or be a huge, huge shot blocker. But what he is, is super valuable. ADP was 60th, so beat that number. And you know, you know I've banged this drum. If he plays 30 minutes, he'll be top 50. Well, he didn't even need that this year. And I think they should be committing to playing him 30 minutes a game next year. He's that good. He played 31 a night over the last two months. Thought he did. Yeah, you know, he, he was, uh, I was going to say, I thought he did okay in the playoffs, but he did get exposed towards the end of the playoffs. I think that's that's fair to, to say. He, he played 33 minutes there in the playoffs at an average 15 and 10 with 0.6 blocks. But yes, he was yeah a real um, a real problem ne- negatively or defensively in the playoffs. Um, not as bad as someone which we'll talk about a little bit later. But the other options are you play you know, Jaron Jackson or you play Brandon Clark or you play Xavier Tillman. So Valanciunas is obviously the option there. Long term, he won't be that guy because Jackson and Morant are you know six seven years younger, so they have to sort of develop together. But yeah, no reason that Valanciunas can't be. A very, very good fantasy player again. In fact, even better. I think the 28 goes to 30 minutes. 18, 13, 1.1 blocks, big percentages again. No reason he can't do it for another year at least. Maybe, maybe two years. Maybe that's a stretch to get to two years, but I think it's absolutely some level of a possibility. Tell you what's definitely a possibility, though, is getting a bargain at rockauto.com because if you go into your local chain, so look, throughout this pandemic, we understand that not everything needs to have stores that you physically go to. In fact, that experience can be miserable. And to put on top of the miserable experience, they're going to charge you more? Get out of here. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You go to RockAuto.com, you find the parts, the pieces, whatever you need for your car or truck or daily driver, classic mobile, whatever it is. RockAuto.com is going to have it for you and they're going to get it to you at the cheapest price that you can find. Because those prices are always reliably low. And they are the same for do-it-yourselfers or for professionals. Why would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? It seems like nonsense because it is nonsense. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all of those parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Now, I know you guys have been waiting for this for a while, but it is time to talk about my pubes. Because, you know, we are stuck here in quarantine. We we know that. We're we're dealing with issues with 
your COVID and getting outside, but doesn't mean you can't take care of yourself. And support for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code LOCKEDONFANTASY at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked me up with a bunch of their tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit. Unbelievable stuff. The Lawnmower 3.0 there, featuring the cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology, but also things like the Crop Preserver in the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0, the anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You've also got your Crop um, Reviver. You've got the crop, uh, your Crop Mop, the uh, ball wipes, which are handy in case you get a little bit sweaty in the old dance downstairs uh, department. And Manscaped also threw in a couple of gifts, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxes, that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day, and a travel shed bag to store all of your grooming goodies. Trim that junk of yours and do it by getting 20% off and free shipping with Locked On Fantasy at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping using the code Locked On Fantasy at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code Locked On Fantasy. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Okie dokie. Let's go on to the next player we're going to look at, the second best player for category leagues was Jaron Jackson Jr. Now, you're going to say Joshy barely played, and we're going to say he had a shit year, and all that's true, but that doesn't reduce from the the fact that in a, on a per-game basis, Jackson was the 71st-ranked player, and when I was preparing for this podcast, I was actually shocked. I did not think that at all. And I went, all right, so he was this bad, yet he still put up that, that level of fantasy numbers? Huh. Well, that's really, really interesting. Really interesting to see that he was able to do that. Now, in the playoffs... Yeah, he played more minutes, but I wouldn't say he's particularly good. He averaged 14 points, six rebounds, but 1.2 blocks. He uh, shot 29% from three only, but there's still, you know, one point, yeah, those 1.2 blocks are useful. In the regular season, Jaron played 23 and a half minutes a night. 14 points, five and a half rebounds, one and a half threes, 1.6 blocks on 42 and 83 for a true shooting of just 55%. His EPM was terrible. His true shooting was down. He didn't hit threes anywhere near the level that he needed to. But this means, now, you have to worry about the knee injury here for him. 58 games in year one, 57 in year two, and 11 in year three, injured every year. Um, You have to be worried, but he's going to drop in drafts a lot. Points leagues, he's not as good, 89th in points leagues, and he's had a 62 ADP this year. He's going to drop, and if he's in the 90 range, I'll I'll take him, I think. Um, Because, again, we could argue easily that their best lineup had Kyle Anderson at the four and Valanciunas at the five, which it did. But Jackson, still in those limited minutes, put up some really good numbers. Like like really good numbers. Like in, in the in the playoffs, he was like a top fifty type player. Um high blocks, high threes, good free throws, decent volume. Rebound needs some work, obviously, but he is a fantasy stud. If he slides, he is 21 and a half. Like, he is not old at all. He is younger than Ja Morant. All right, he's 21 and a half. If he slides, and I believe he will, uh, he is going to be a real late target to me. I'm obviously worried about the injuries. The advanced numbers weren't great this year in that limited sample size. He looked a bit lost in the playoffs. But give him a full off season. I'm still in on Jaron Jackson. I think it's a massive, massive dynasty buy-low opportunity. Kyle Anderson was the next best ranked Grizzlies player. 
78th ranked guy, played 69 games, 27 minutes, 88th in points leagues at almost 30 a game, 1.2 steals. And all season, I was like, okay, he's playing well, but what are they going to do when Winslow comes back? What are they going to do when Jackson comes back? And Jackson just didn't come back forever, which again, hate. you've heard me talk about that so many times. Didn't come back. And then Winslow came back, it was trash, and Anderson just kept playing well. Anderson was a guy that I liked a few years ago, and he let me down big time. He played 30 minutes, sorry, he played 20 minutes a game last season. So you're predicting a guy to be the 207 from being the 217th ranked player to be the 78th ranked player with Winslow there, who you assume to play all season. You go, there's no way, like no way he should have been drafted, and he wasn't drafted, rightfully so. But he was amazing. 1.2 steals. He averaged good assist numbers: 3.6 assists, six rebounds, 12 points, 47 and 78 percent shooting. He hit 36 percent of his threes. He was really, really good, and he's just a very, very good basketball player. But Again, what the hell is his role as we move forward? Plus 2.4 EPM is huge. 58 true shooting is great. He hit his mid-ranges at a ridiculous rate, 51%, which I'm pretty sure that's not going to stick. He led the team in Raptor mainly because of his defense. He was second in LeBron mainly because of his defense. I think he plays, I think he's their starting three next year next to Jackson, but he is better at the four. Will he be a guy that I draft around this zone of being the 78th ranked player? Not remotely close to it. Steel specialist is really what he is. Only category where he was good. He was marginally above average in blocks, but the only one where he was physically good was steals. And I think that will lead to him getting overdrafted a little bit. I like him. I think he's a very good player. He's still not 28, but I think there's a real risk of overdrafting him for fantasy. Now we get on to Ja Morant who was a massive, massive disappointment. 30 was too high. Was what his ADP was. I, I thought that was too high. I picked him in like mid-40s, but he was still shit out. 114, 63 games, 33 minutes a game. 35 points is a big difference. Your fantasy points, your 58th in points leagues, and he's, he's a much better player there. But also, we have to throw in the fact that he had a high ankle sprain, came back what I think was, was early from it, uh, and that impacted him. But there is no, under no circumstance can you say that Ja Moran had a very good, a very good regular season because he didn't. In the playoffs, he was obviously better. 30 points per game in 41 minutes. He shot 32% from three, hit two of them a game, which he doesn't normally do. Had eight assists. Improved his free throws, improved his overall efficiency. Interestingly, his on-off in the playoffs was a negative 17.5. That is a horrendous number. Honestly, just a shocking number, a stunningly bad number. It is obviously limited five games, but that's stunning how bad that is. Um, not as bad as Grayson Allen's minus 27 and a half, but still, it, it's bad. And we compared Jar's second year to his rookie year. Well, he played more minutes. That was always going to happen. He went from 31 to 34. He shot worse from the field, from the line, and from three. Disappointing. His steal rate dropped. Disappointing. Yeah, he still is a really good assist player, but at the end of the year, he was an assist specialist. That's it. True shooting dropped. Assist rate did actually drop. Um, Not a good rebounder. Not a good shooter anywhere. Doesn't take many threes, although he did take more. And defensively, he's a real, real issue. Negative, uh, sorry, 0.2 EPM's not a bad number, but he was... 12th on this team in Raptor with a negative 1.9. That's a really bad number. He was fourth on in LeBron at 1.42, which is a pretty good number. So there's a little bit of difference there between the metrics. 
But yeah, his numbers, he averaged 19, 4, and 7.5. And there is absolutely the skeleton of some very good fantasy play there. But it's the 1.23s, 0.9 steals, 0.9 blocks, and then below average shooting that hurts him. If I had to make a wager, will he be better than 114th next year? It's an easy yes. Like It's a very easy yes. 27 usage was the highest on this team, as it should be, but still not probably as high as it needs to be. I would be. I, I would think that a top 50 finish for him is coming next year, but he is still overrated. The low-volume steals, the low-volume threes, and the bad percentages, it's four categories which really do hurt you. Very easily average 23, 4, and 8 next year. Exceedingly easily. But if he, if he wants to be a top 20 player, it needs to be 2.23s, 1.2 steals, 46, and 80. That's not crazy, but he is he is overrated. And again, I think he'll be overrated based on the fact that he averaged 30 in the playoffs. It's five games. We know he looked good. He also won't play 40 minutes a night in the regular season. But there's the happy medium somewhere in there but between the overhype from the playoffs and what he did this regular season, which was it was not good. It simply was not good. Injury recovery, big part of it. Third-year maturation, big part of it. Things that will improve, free throws, field goals, three-point, maybe the three-point shooting won't improve, I don't know, but volume will. Um, I do think he's going to take some significant steps forward. And while he might be a sell high, he might also be a buy low. Just depends on how much the person who has him values him and how they're looking at things. A lot of a lot of ups and downs here with Morant. Let's look at Dylan Brooksy Brooks. The amount of tweets that I got, Josh, are you going to apologize to Dylan Brooks? No. Are you going to change your opinion on Dylan Brooks? A little bit, but still no, not really. Was Dylan Brooks good in the playoffs? Yes. Like, I thought he played really well. I thought he was great. His on-off in the playoffs was insane. It was a plus 27.1. Like That is a huge number. Brooks averaged 26 points per game. He shot 40% from three and 52% from the field. Defensively, he was really good. But let's let's get a couple of things straight. Like Dylan Brooks shot 41% from the field, 41.9% from the field this year. He was 129th ranked category league player, played 30 minutes a night, leads the NBA in fouls. He averaged 17, 3, and 2. The 1.2 steals are nice. The 42% shooting is rough. He hit 34% from three, which is not particularly good. And my, my problem with Dylan Brooks is not to say that he's not a good defender because he is a good defender and he generates steals, is that he has some absolutely shit house. Remember the pronunciation of that word, shithouse, not shit-ass, shit-arse, shit-ass shooting. Terrible shot selection. Thinks that he is way better than he is. He should not have a 26 usage while Morant has a 27. That is my problem. And he commits horrendous fouls. He's not a great passer. Turns the ball over a lot. He's a terrible rebounder. All, right, all those things are true of Dylan Brooks. And he has that. That was a nice five-game hot streak where he shot 52%. 10 percentage points higher than what he did in the regular season. If you believe that that's the Dylan Brooks that's real, by all means, buy in. It's not, and he needs to learn his place. Good Dylan Brooks can be really good. He can get super hot. He can have 16 points in a quarter and then have two points on 16 shots for the rest of the game. This is my problem with him. And the fact that then he lacks rebounds, he lacks assists, he doesn't block shots, he doesn't get to the line, he has poor shooting percentages, is those big, big scoring games... They just fade into insignificance. In points leagues, he's fine. 27 points per game, and he maybe cracks a top 100 next year. Like, he was pretty good. Defensively, he is really solid. His advanced metrics don't 100% show that. He was 
eight on Raptor, which point six defensively. It's all right. He was a complete neutral in e- EPM, negative oh, 0.0 on defense. His LeBron was a marginal positive on defense and a marginal negative on offense to be overall negative uh, 0. Uh, sorry, not negative, positive 0.22. So don't look at what Dylan Brooks did in the playoffs and think, Josh, you got to apologize. He's a hero now. He's great. He's all these things. Because the, the same problems are going to exist with shot selection. The shots will not go in at the same level they did in the playoffs. And maybe you think I'm being a hater, but that's fine. He won't hit 40% of his threes and 52% overall on an ongoing basis, nor will he get to the line five times per game. He'll always have problems with fouls and shot selection, and he won't play 35 minutes a night. So maybe it's a great time to sell high on him in a dynasty league because people are so high on him. Because the number one thing when I say that, man, Dylan Brooks, what are you doing? Is the number one response is, he's a dog. Okay, what does that mean? Does that have any impact on shot selection, on usage, on true shooting, on rebound numbers, on assist numbers, on foul numbers? And the answer to all those questions is no. So it doesn't actually mean jack shit for fantasy because he goes out there and he snarls and he plays hard and he plays really good defense. But if you want to look at it from a fantasy perspective, he takes too many shots, he takes the wrong ones, and he doesn't contribute in enough enough areas. So will I draft him in a a category league next year? Maybe in my last picks, I feel confident he'll get minutes, but it has to be really specific as to what he's doing and to how he is helping you because we are a long way off him being a huge positive fantasy contributor, and I, I don't really ever think that it can get there. All right. Let's go and tell you, because, well, actually, the playoffs are on. We know that. The playoffs are, they're interesting. There's a lot of interesting things going on, and our road to the finals, NBA playoffs coverage, right across the Lockdown Podcast Network, is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Now, 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy those games a little bit more this season, and that brings us to the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Who's it going to be? Well, I think it should be, in honor of me shitting on him, Dylan Brooks, because... As I will consistently say, people will say I'm a hater or I've got bias or whatever. I just recognize players and performances for what they do. Maybe I do have some bias, but Dylan Brooks was really, really good in the playoffs. So he is my Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Grizzlies fans would have really enjoyed what he did, averaging those 26 points per game, hitting 1.6 threes, being a very, very stout defender throughout the playoffs and being one of the Grizzlies, if not the best player, you're comfortably the second best player behind Ja Morant during those playoffs. Yeah, he provided heaps of joy, even though they didn't get over the line and they weren't able to beat the Jazz. I think Dylan Brooks was great. And Michelob Ultra is also great because it's only worth it if you enjoy it. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. So Michelob Ultra, your player of the week, is Dylan Brooksy Brooks. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. The NBA playoffs, we're cracking right in. You can track all that action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs in the playoffs. Go and sign up today. Use our promo code LOCKEDON and you can receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Next player, Brandon Clark, another guy that was massively overdrafted. Ja Morant was massively overdrafted. Brandon Clark was massively overdrafted. I got into lots of arguments with you know, respectable, respected fantasy people who would like, yeah, I'm taking him in the 70s and 80s. I mean, that's insane to me. 
their reasoning was, which I understand the reasoning. I didn't buy it, but I understand the reasoning. Their reasoning was, um, well, Jaron Jackson's out. He'll just be the starting power forward. Now, part of my reasoning for not buying into it was, well, Jackson will be back in a couple of weeks, and then what the hell happens? But I, I liked Brandon Clark hugely coming into the draft. Really liked his rookie season. But people were overhyping him, and they also absolutely want a Dutch rider his turnovers, which you know is an absolute fallacy when looking at rankings and, and drafting players. Um, so that's you know, that's my issue with Clarkey. He played 24 minutes a night, 24 fantasy points, 136th, 136th in category leagues with that 92 ADP. And his best category was his field goal percentage, which wasn't even that good. His steals and blocks have not translated over from college. He averaged 10 points, five and a half boards. He shot 69 from the line. Giggity. Which is you know, obviously not very good. He what didn't do a huge amount in the playoffs. What did he play? He only played, he was out of the rotation in the playoffs as Xavier Tillman um, seems to have taken over and yeah, Kyle Anderson, Jaron Jackson getting the power forward minutes. I was big on, on Clark as a interesting high upside player. Well, not high upside, an interesting solid player in dynasty leagues, but I, I don't know where I am now. 24 years of age. He's going to be 25 in a few months. Um, He looked... Look, he did have that injury to begin the season, but his advanced numbers fell off completely. His true shooting, which was really his big key last year, went from 67 to 57. And it's one of those things that, again, part of the reason he was so efficient last year, 36% from three, well, that maybe that was anomalous, but he hit 52% mid-range. That's just a number that's so hard to maintain. It went to 38 this year. So just always watch players. What is their mid-range shooting? Are they taking a lot of them? And is, that, is there a risk of that falling off? And that's exactly what happened here. His turnover rate actually improved this year. His steal rate improved. His blocks were still... Look, they're okay, but they're not the you know, upper second percentile, 98th percentile type levels that they were in college. Can't pass. Rebounding is all right, but for a center, it's not particularly great. I, I don't know. He still defensively had a pretty good Raptor. He still had some pretty good advanced numbers. I'm not completely writing him off, but I'm not sure that... I look at Clark and say, well, there's 28-minute starting caliber upside. Is Jackson and Clark the starting front court of the future? I would say no. I'd say it's more likely Jackson and Tillman at this point. And while Tillman was an older player coming out of college, he's two and a half years younger than Brandon Clark. I think that that might be the case. There is a real worry here. I can look at him as maybe a buy low for, for Dynasty Leagues, but I'm not... I'm not... Look, okay, 136 this year. He was 105th last year. Will he ever have a top 100 season? And I would have to say at this point, no. And, I, and I, it's hard to say that. Maybe I'm overreacting. But the decisions that he made this year weren't great. The decisions the Grizzlies made with him weren't positive. And I reckon there's a better player on the roster now in Tillman. Big, big change in my opinion on him. And maybe, maybe I'm being hasty. That's a real possibility. But I just, I didn't like it at all. D'Anthony Melton, you know I love this bloke. Hard to judge what the hell to do here. He's just turned 23, played 52 games, 20 minutes, nine points only, but a steal a game, 0.6 blocks, 44 and 80. That's a true shooting of 57%. A guy that I will continually call to play more minutes. His advanced numbers were again really good, plus 1.9. EPM, 57 true shooting. 41% from three, 80% from the line. So he took you know, some big improvements both uh, from the line and from the field. Third on this team in LeBron. Third on this team in Raptor. 
He's just very impactful by almost every metric you can find. But Taylor Jenkins won't play him the minutes. Now, he still somehow is a rosterable fantasy player in 20 minutes a night. 139th ranked player in category leagues. Points leagues, he's nowhere near as good. But it's on the back of his steals. So we talk about Kyle Anderson on the back of his steals. It's the same for DeAnthony Melton. Now, I think that Melton can absolutely be a 31-minute-a-night, 32-minute-a-night starting guard, whether it's a point guard or a shooting guard. He can be that. He might only average 15 points, but he'd average 15, 5, and 7. 1.5 steals, 0.9 blocks. Very probably Derek White-ish without White's ability to be a higher usage player because Melton can't be that. I I am still... Yeah, I still... You know, he's only 23. Now, it may not be on this team. He might be in, in a trade that Grizzlies use to consolidate talent for a bigger name. Melton, I still believe, is a starting guard who in the next three years will play 30 minutes a night and be a top 60 player. Maybe I'm wrong. I could easily be wrong on that, but everything about watching him and the trajectory he's been on tells me that. The advanced numbers tell me that as well. He had some moments towards the end of the season where he did struggle quite a bit, and I'm not convinced it's going to be on this team. It is more of a long investment, but I think it's there. I I, I still believe very, very highly in what DeAnthony Melton can do. Grayson Allen, I don't believe in this bloke at all. He's 25 and a half years of age, 50 games, 25 minutes, 10 points, two threes. And to be fair to Grayson, um, which you know most people won't give him the benefit of the doubt given his past, um, he did play well at times this season. The shooting was impressive. 59 true shooting. He was at 61 last year. Like that's that's impressive shooting. And he did it you know, while seeing that really high mid-range from last year of 49% drop to 39. So did it on some really good three-point volume. I'm not sure what else he does that's good. Although... Again, to be fair to Grayson Allen, the steal rate really jumped. He went from 0.8 to 1.7% in steal rate. That's a big, big jump. And that was part of the reason he was able to have stretches of being a fantasy relevant player. Allen averaged 0.9 steals in those 25 minutes. Shot 87 from the line. Um, His LeBron was pretty low. His Raptor was okay, 0.1. His EPM was 0.6. I think most advanced metrics would say he was solid enough as a player and deserves some sort of a rotation role, at least. I would much rather give, though, if we're going to give minutes out, Brooks and Morant start. I'd rather have um, your Bain and Melton be my backup guards. And it's going to get even more interesting next season when Anderson has to play more three with Jackson back. Uh, I don't think Allen's got a particularly high upside, but again, he, he was impressive this year. But you know, two and a half years younger is Melton. Three years younger, pretty much, is Bain. Like, they're the guys that I'd be looking... Allen's even older than Tyus Jones. And he showed an ability to have a, a role as, as a good shooter. But, you know, I'm not really sure that he deserves to be playing as much as he is. And maybe that's unfair to him. But his playoff numbers, I don't think, were particularly great. Negative 27.6 on off. Negative 5 box score plus minus in the playoffs as well. Like They are horrendous numbers. And I think there are better players on this roster. And one of them is Desmond Bain. Now, I've been trying to work on my on my Bain voice. I don't think it's good. Should I debut it here? Desmond Bain. Tell me, how bad was that? If I can get that down, maybe I'll just keep saying his name like that. Desmond Bain. 68 games, 22 minutes. That's the fun I have in the offseason, just trying to protect, uh, project or perfect my Bane voice. And it's more based on Bane from the Harley Quinn animated series versus Bane from the movies, but there you go. 17 points per game, 228th ranked player. Should have been drafted way higher than he was in the NBA draft, and I obviously said that at the time. I thought he was good this season as a rookie. He shot, what, 43% from three? 
And while that is high, he is a 40% three-point shooter. He will be a career 40% three-point shooter, I believe. So while it is a high start, it's not like, where that come from? He'll fall off. 61 true shooting as a rookie is amazing. He hit his mid-ranges at 45% as well, which is a little bit worrying. Maybe that drops off. But he does struggle in a lot of areas. Not a good rebounder. Not a good... Not Didn't show great passing. Not a good shot blocker. Not a good steals guy. Negative 1.1 EPM as a rookie playing decent minutes is not a bad number. But LeBron, as a metric, hated him. And Raptor wasn't particularly high on him because of defense. And again, he is an older rookie. Still, you know, he's about to turn 23. That's still two and a half years or almost three years younger than Grayson Allen. Um, I think that... Him playing 22 minutes a night as a rookie was a huge surprise. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. Um, but what's his overall upside? Is it top 100? I don't think so, because I don't know what else he's bringing. Is it, uh, he can bring assists. I think he can have a year where he's three and a half to four assists guy. Maybe it's a steal per game, and it's really elite efficiency. If he had a 50 and 85 field goal free throw percentage season, I wouldn't be shocked. Averaging 16 points with three threes. I, I think, well, it, it's okay. Best case scenario is Buddy Heald. You know, low, not great rebounds, but shows an ability to be an okay assist guy, can occasionally get steals, can be elite with his efficiency, doesn't get to the line that much. I think Buddy Heald is the idea of a player that he can get to. And yeah, that's that's good. Um, the chances of getting there are probably under 25%, but that's sort of the, the view I have for Bain here. The other guy that I really liked in the draft was the cashier, Xavier Tillman. And Memphis got both of these guys at real bargains for their positions in the draft. 59 games for Tillman. I didn't think he'd play this year. 18 minutes, 17 fantasy points, 270, 240th in category leagues. But he shot 56% as a rookie, averaged 6.6 points. But in those games that he started, when he had to start, I thought he was all right. Six points, four rebounds, 0.7 steals, 0.6 blocks. Didn't shoot the free throws particularly well. And 34% from three is all right. But a true shooting of 61 as a rookie. A defensive 1.7 EPM is amazing as a rookie. Overall, 0.7 is great. Um, He's LeBron. Big positive defensively as well. They loved him there. Raptor wasn't quite as high, but still was a positive defensively. And as a big man, that is a huge, huge win. A huge win. He's undersized for sure, but I think him and Jackson can be a good pairing together. I think that Tillman can become a top 100 player by being a 13 and 10 bloke, 1.4 steals, sorry, 1.4 blocks, 0.9 steals, 58 and 75. Maybe he gets to 1-3 a game. Can he develop the three-point shot a la Brooke Lopez, Marcus Gasol? Al Horford, yeah, he can pass better than this as well. Two and a half, three assists per game is not out of, out of the question. If I had to put my money on which guy I think can develop into a fantasy-relevant player between Clark and Tillman, I do put it on Tillman. I think he's just really smart. He's a very good on-court player. He's got some uh, offensive ability that hasn't quite been explored. And defensively, I think he held up all right. Now, in, the, in the playoffs, there were obviously struggles there in his limited minutes. He had a negative PR, which I didn't even think was possible. Like he, he, But he played 18 minutes. It's really hard to judge that. I'm pretty big on Tillman uh, moving forward as a player. Tyus Jones lost a rotation spot at one point to Justice Winslow this season. Got it back, but ended up playing 70 games, 17 and a half minutes. Averaged 16 points, 269th in category leagues. He was a guy that, again, I thought could be a you know, placeholder point starting point guard in the NBA, but you know, no better than your 28th best starting point guard. I think I've lost a little bit of that further there. He averaged almost four assists with 0.9 steals. 91 from the line. He doesn't turn it over. We know all this about Tyus Jones. But there are just certain things that he that he can't do. 
And you know, I think Melton is ahead of him as a point guard now. Defensively, I think he still holds up all right, but his true shooting has just never been good the last three years. has fallen way off. Great assist to turnover numbers, good steal numbers. Can always be a guy as an assist and steal specialist if he's forced into a starting role, which if Morant goes down, he gets into that role re- relatively regularly. But that's sort of who he is. You don't want to rely. No team's going to be like, man, can we pry Tyus Jones now to be our starting point guard? I just don't see that being the case. So, look, he can always be that stream-type option. Um, 269th in categories. He can probably have a better year than that. But he's 25 now. John Conchar, an absolute fantasy stud in the making, if he could ever get the minutes, which I don't think he ever will. He only played 13 minutes a game. 323rd category uh, ranked player, 4.3 rebounds, 0.7 steals, 0.2 blocks, 50 and 83 is elite shooting numbers. A guy that can fill up in multiple categories apart from scoring, but is he ever going to be good enough to have a large role? Probably not. Defensively, he holds up all right when he's out there. I think he's actually pretty good defensively. But offensively, that lack of scoring and lack of um, consistency in his shooting is, is a concern. He was fourth on this team in Raptor, plus 2.3. Ahead of Brooks, Clark, Allen, Jaron Jackson, Desmond Bain, Ja Morant. But I don't think he's ever going to be able to get a large enough role. If somehow we find uh, with with Jones, Bain, Allen, Melton, Winslow, Brooks, Morant all ahead of him, it's hard to see regular minutes for John Conchar on this roster. But he's just a name to always remember if somehow he finds himself in the Detroit uh, D-line right position where everyone around you falls over and he has to play 30 minutes a night for a stretch, he will be a fantasy-relevant ad for sure. I think I'm out on this bloke completely. Justice Winslow, 26 games, 20 minutes, consistent injuries, consistently a shit shooter. The only times he's really had success is when he's been played as a point guard, and he's not going to get played as a point guard on this team. He just isn't. There's no way. Um, Decision-making is off. Defensively, he still can be okay. But I think injuries may have really wrecked him. Now, he was absolutely one of the worst players in the NBA this year. By whatever metric you want to use. LeBron, he was terrible. Raptor, shitful. EPM, first percentile. That's dreadful. 39 true shooting, horrendous. Three-point percentage, 19%. 57 from the line. He has lost all confidence in his body, in his basketball ability. He averaged seven points with four and a half rebounds and two assists. And he's one of those guys that would say, look, man, put the ball in his hands and he can score and he can do, get assists and he can do all that. But if you do that, you're going to lose. He's just too, he's not good of a player, not good enough of a player to be that guy that needs the ball in his hands as much as he does to be successful. He hasn't found a way to be useful in a role where he's not creating and controlling and you don't want him to be creating and controlling. I would. I don't even think that it's a buy low type scenario. I just think that injuries, confidence, role, he's just not there. I just don't think it comes back. I, maybe the talent's there, and it's look. If there's anyone else apart from a top ten player who'd had a little stretch, never been a good fantasy player. Remember that though. Maybe I just I would have dumped him years ago, and I'm holding on five percent, saying maybe, maybe, but almost definitely not. Killian Tilly, just good to see him out on the court, really. 10 minutes, three points, but nothing that made me think this guy is a long-term prospect. And same with Jonte Porter. Five minutes a game, his 11 games, average four fantasy points per game. Two points, one rebound, 53 and 60. I still have some hope in Porter. He's only 21. Um, A guy that obviously has had just multiple knee injuries, and that is just probably going to impact his overall upside in a huge way. Uh, I, I really would like to see uh, an extended opportunity. I'm not sure that it comes, but you know, if we're looking at McDermott, Porter, Tilly, Conchalik, who probably has the best chance of exploding or, or getting that role, 
or who would I want to invest more in? It's probably Porter, just because he is 21, and I think he's better than those other guys. But yeah, my, my faith in it happening is pretty low. Sean McDermott, I don't know why this guy even played this many minutes. I don't think he's an NBA caliber player. Shot 39%. This was one of the issues with um, Taylor Jenkins. Like, he just kept playing this guy. Like, that is way too much for Sean McDermott to play. Way too much. He, he's not good at all. And then Tim Frazier, who nobody seems to be able to quit. He's going to be 31 in a couple of months, Tim. Can you believe that? I know Matt Smith, if you're listening, you, you, Matt loves this bloke. He's just not an NBA caliber player. But if he gets out there and a team has lost every point guard in the world and he has to play 30 a night, he will be a fantasy relevant player because he'll come out and get eight assists with two steals. And he'll be useful. But you don't want that because your team will be dreadful if that's the case. He'll go unsigned again and get signed somewhere during the year. And then people will, will go, oh, man, Tim Frazier, he had some he had some moments. He did. But sure, we're not, uh, we're not getting excited about that. Let's go to your questions. About the Grizzlies, Ross Banal, can I envisage Jaron Jackson becoming able to be a starting caliber center? Is his lack of physicality and rebounding too much to overcome? Yeah, I'm leaning a little bit towards that. Ross, starting caliber power forward, yeah, easily. Um, I still think center is his best position, but I'm not. Um, I'm not. I'm not convinced he's going to be able to be a 30 minute a night center. Fast break breakfast, Keith. <laughs> Keithy says, how many others followed my preseason advice and let Kyle Anderson carry them to a fantasy championship? Keith was big on Kyle Anderson. He loves Kyle Anderson, so I'll give him credit there. Uh, I don't think many people did, Keith, considering he didn't even have an ADP. Ollie says, obviously injuries suck, but Jaron Jackson was pretty shit in the playoffs. Has he stagnated? I think that's more injuries than anything. Like the dude's 21, and he's still, on a per-game basis, still put up good numbers for fantasy. Um, I'm a little bit worried that he won't reach the upside of top 20 that I think, thought he could get, but yeah. Andy Sermon, can, can Ja Morant be the best player on a championship-winning squad? Hmm. The default answer most people have is yes. I tend to think it's probably no. But as a second-best player, which is not an easy thing to do, yes. Uh, Jordan says, Valentunas played a career-high in minutes per game. Is that repeatable? It should be, and I, I think it will be for at least one more year. Yes. Has Jaron Jackson got all-star potential next year? Almost no chance. Um, and what else? What the hell happened to Brandon Clark? Well, we talked about that already, guys. But that'll do me. Talking too much about the Grizzlies here. Don't forget, follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the new Odyssey app. If you're watching on YouTube, give it a thumbs up. Hit the notification bell. Subscribe, the red box, if you haven't already. Smash that. Leave your comments down below, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. <laughs>